Hey, it's Nick Harcourt here for 88.5 here at home. I guess from Brooklyn is Michelle Zahner of the band Japanese Breakfast. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. There's a new album coming in a couple of months, Jubilee, but there's also a brand new book, which is coming in just a couple of weeks at our time of writing, uh, of speaking. So tell me a little bit about the book before we talk about the music. Sure. Um, it is a debut memoir. It's called Crying in H Mart. Um, it's about my mother who passed away in 2014 after a six-month battle with uh, GI cancer. And um, my mother was Korean and I'm of mixed race. And I found myself sort of um, turning to Korean cooking as a sort of uh, grieving tool. Um and yeah, it's, it's about that sort of journey and, and um, my experience living with her for a short period as a caretaker and how I sort of turned to Korean food as a way to preserve my connection to her memory and, and our shared culture. I was reading a little bit about um, how you came to write the book. It was based on a, a, an article that you wrote, first of all, for The New Yorker, right? Yeah, it was um, the first chapter of the book was published in, in The New Yorker in 2018. When you when you wrote that uh, article, did you feel that there might be more, that there might be a book to come after it? Yeah, I actually I wrote another essay called Love, Loss and Kimchi in 2016. That was the sort of seed of this idea. And that article, uh, that essay sort of focused on my relationship with Mangchi, who is this Korean YouTube vlogger that sort of kind of like demystified the Korean cooking process for me, because a lot of um, I think a lot of Asian cultures, they don't sort of readily um share that sort of information. And it's definitely sort of difficult to find in English. Uh, so she was a real um, helpful resource for me as I was going through um, learning how to cook Korean food. And she came to just be such a meaningful character to me. And, and I just thought it was a sort of cute, almost like Korean Julie and Julia story. Uh, and it was after writing that um, essay that I sort of realized that there was a lot more to say there and, and started writing in the winter of 2017. And then the New Yorker actually uh, asked me to submit some writing. And so I, I sort of brushed up the first chapter and sent it over. And it was a, a huge response to that essay. And, and that sort of gave me the courage and means to to finish the book. Now, I know you grew up in, in Oregon, right? Um, Correct, yeah. Tell, tell us about being, being a kid in Oregon and being of mixed mixed race. Yeah, I grew up in Eugene, Oregon, and my family, I'm an only child, and my family sort of lived um, outside of town uh, on like five acres of land and in the woods. And I, you know, sort of had to spend a lot of time alone. And my mother was a homemaker. And so I, I really depended on her uh, attention um, to like have a, have a friend and, and also lived a lot, I guess, in my sort of imagination, and which is maybe what led me to become uh, a creative person. Um, but the town was like largely Caucasian, like 95% of it was uh, Caucasian. And, and so, um, you know, in my teenage years, uh, like most people, any, any sort of small difference that you have from your peers, like becomes, you know, like a huge, like zit on your face, essentially. So I, I was really ashamed of my heritage for a long time. And, and, and I just wanted to be a sort of like neutral body. I think I, I didn't want anyone to ha to approach me with any sort of stereotype. And I felt like this real anxiety about that. And then as I became older, I sort of, um, you know, returned to that heritage that I shirked for, for a long time. And, and a lot of the book is sort of about that experience. Were there any other kids um, at school who, who looked like you? 
There were, but I feel like we didn't really, you know, there were a couple of mixed race um, kids at my school. It wasn't like completely white. Um, there were, you know, some some half Asian kids and some Asian kids. And uh, but it was very, very Caucasian. Uh, and, and you know, just at that age, like every any little difference in your character uh, or the way that you look, it just is, is you know, so embarrassing and mortifying. Um, and, I, and I think that that just exacerbated uh, my sort of insecurities at that age. You know, writing um, for, uh, you know, writing prose, writing lyrics, writing books, it's it's all kind of connected, I guess, at the end of the day. It's wanting to uh, share stuff from, from yourself. What What is the difference between writing a book or writing an article as compared with writing for lyrics for songs? There's a lot more words. <laughs> for an album, I feel like it's, uh, you know, maybe 500 words or something. And with a book, you know, that there was... I think ended up being around 80,000. Um, you know, I think that a lot of songwriting is are these sort of like fragmented feelings that are put out there in, in poetic ways. And there's so much to kind of hide behind or, um, you know, turn to when you're stuck. So many different sonic elements that kind of, uh, you know, are mask meaning or a lot of a lot of like songwriting is, is sort of more up for interpretation, whereas the, the real story can come out in this way um, in prose and, and it's very scary and difficult, I guess that's the difference. Now, when you, when you write songs, I mean, you're just about to put out your third album, I think in June, which is called Jubilee. And I want to talk about that a little bit, but I know that your, your first two albums, Psycho Pump, and then the second one, which was Soft Sounds from an, Another Planet, they were autobiographical as well. They were um, about your life and about your mom and about coming to terms with what was happening in your life, right? Uh, in part, yeah, definitely, largely. So what has been the progression through these two albums into the new one with everything that has happened since? Obviously, your mom passed away. Um, how did you reconcile that in your writing? Um, I, I think that, you know, the first two records are largely about grief and, and trauma. And, you know, then I also had to write an entire book about those topics as well. I think that in a way, after writing all of those, working on all of those projects, I was sort of, and, and six years passing, um, I was sort of able to kind of close the book on that part of my life uh, on those themes and sort of turn to something new. And I was really um, interested in kind of flinging myself to the opposite end of the spectrum and writing an album about joy in this other, you know, and huge part of my life. And I, I think in a way, like it, this album is largely about choosing joy and, and learning to make a space for it and, and giving myself sort of permission to, to feel those things. When did, when did you write the, the record? The record was largely written in the winter of 2019. Oh, so before COVID, luckily. Yeah, it was before the pandemic. We um, had planned on releasing it summer of 2020, but pushed it a year later. So if you had that plan for last year, I mean, I talked to a lot of people who started off 2020 with a lot of different plans as to what they were going to be doing and musicians re releasing albums, going on tours, festival circuits, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, let's talk a little bit about that. So the album was, was it recorded and, and done already before, pandem before the pandemic? Yeah. So how did you have to pivot uh, and what did you do? What have you been doing? I mean, you couldn't put the album out. What, what have you been doing? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I worked on um, 
I was still revising the book. So uh, from like March to July, I, I was finishing revisions on the book. And I also spent a lot of time working on the soundtrack for an indie game that's coming out uh, later this year called Sable. And that's, you know, invested way more time than I, I anticipated. Uh, but, you know, it, it ended up being a good thing. And uh, there's almost two hours of original music I've composed and produced for for the soundtrack now that it, that's quite lovely. It, it, <laughs> I also practiced a lot of piano and <laughs> during it, the course. Is that something you've done before, written for, for film or games? No, this is the first time. Yeah. Uh, tell us tell us about that process. Obviously, completely different. Uh, it was an amazing uh, educational experience. You know, I definitely feel like I learned a lot as a composer and a producer. And um, yeah, it's really fun. It's very, very different. You know, obviously, as an indie musician and someone with a lot of interest in pop music, like you're always kind of chasing a hook or an earworm. And, you know, in this case, uh, to do that and have it loop in a an, in an video game that's open world, uh, that gets to be very obnoxious. So it's a very different type of songwriting instead of like constantly kind of like uh, clawing for the listener's attention. You're actually trying to sort of like sit in the background in a way that I'm not used to, you know, like I'm a very attention seeking type of artist. So I, uh, I had to learn a, a new skill, but it was, uh, you know, it was such a joy and it's such a beautiful game. The art is incredible. And, and I definitely hope that people can, can check it out. Well, you front a band. So obviously you're somebody who likes a little <laughs> bit of attention. It's true. <laughs> so what, what's the plan now? Clearly the book is just around the corner. The album's not that far away. It does seem that things are starting to open up. I'm seeing here in LA that some venues are starting to book bands, um, hearing about festivals in the late summer and into the, uh, into the fall. What's, what's the plan to support the album? Uh, we're planning a tour. We just released some tour dates today and, um, you know, I'm sure we'll release some more. And, and yeah, I mean, we're just holding out hope that that we can that, that the majority of the population will be vaccinated and, and we'll be able to get back on the road. And, and we're very excited. What's what's the craziest thing you bought during uh, Amazon? Sorry, during lockdown that you've had delivered from Amazon? Um. <laughs> What is the craziest thing? Come on, everybody's got something that they ordered late at night. Um, I don't, uh, I'm like blanking. I, I guess I, um, I try not to order too much from Amazon, but I, I have ordered, um, uh, I ordered my friend a lemon tree from uh, Food52 food uh, for, for her birthday, um, which is today actually. Um, and yeah, it just arrived yesterday. And uh, that's maybe the, one of the stranger things that I ordered. <laughs> I know we don't have a lot of time left to talk, but, but before we go, you know, we're obviously living in uh, a moment of, um, well, you'd be able to explain it to me better, I guess, a moment where uh, Asian people, um, uh, Islanders, um, people who look like you are finding this moment in time very difficult. And I'm wondering if you could share a little bit about that. Um, well, there's been a huge number of attacks um, and hate crimes, and obviously there was a large shooting in Atlanta in which um, Asian American and Pacific Islanders are being targeted and blamed for the coronavirus. Um, 
And I think it's in part because of the fear mongering of uh, various politicians who have called this the Chinese virus or the the um, Kung flu. And I, I think that, you know, a lot of Asian American and Pacific Islanders are living in real fear because we're seeing our community um, being targeted and attacked. And maybe it's one of the first times that, that we um, that our generation, I think, is really pushing for that to be acknowledged uh, and, the, and you know, have really struggled against the media that is refusing to acknowledge that as a hate crime. Um, and that language is really important. Uh, so I think that a lot of uh, us are just feeling um, really, you know, even more scared than, than everyone else is feeling right now during this t- very scary time. Yeah, I was going to ask you how that feels on, on uh, you know, where you live in New York. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm lucky and I haven't experienced uh, that personally. Um, I have friends that have have been yelled at from cars and, and told to go back to their home country. And it's it's very shocking to live in, you know, in a big city and, and, and have, be confronted with that. Um, and I think that the most important thing is that we acknowledge that it's a real thing that's happening. I think that it's something that um, gets sort of swept under the rug a lot. And um, I'm, I'm glad in a way that, that this dialogue is, is starting. Is this dialogue leading to any new songs or any new writing? <laughs> no, I don't think so. No, okay. So the album is, is Jubilee and it comes out in June. And what have taken a minute to talk about the music and talk about your book. Um, I'm hoping that we'll get to see you perform sometime in the not too distant future. Thanks, thanks.